Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one does it better. On Monday, we damaged our brains by experiencing eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, while today that sunshine continues thanks to 500 days of summer. Sorry. I said I love the Smiths. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love them. This is a story of boy meets girl. The boy, Tom Hansen, grew up believing that he'd never truly be happy until the day he met the one. But which shines brightest? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Alex. Look, we don't have to put a label on it, Zane. <laughs> No. Is he still doing that? That's fine. I'd let him have it. I'm keeping fine. that. Thing, yeah. yeah. So we love a review, don't we? Actually, scratch yes. that. We love a nice review. Yes. Uh, so much so that no. we read one out every week in the hope that it'll encourage you, yes, you, to write us a nice review. <laughs> Please tell me it's the one from Lord Ramble. Not yet. Okay. I'm, I'm working All my right. way through them. I just read that one this week and I was like, that is brilliant. And is it? It's, po- it's so straight and to the point. Okay. Well, why don't you read it out now? You've set it up. All right. You read yours and I'll, I'll read it. No, your- we save them. <laughs> we don't we, get that many, do we? We've got we do. We've okay. got we've got a lot recently. You do yours, and then I'll do this one. <clears> yours will be longer. Okay, yeah. this is from Shmizv. Oh, my favourite. Not sure it's the real name. Uh, it's called The Goat, uh, and they write my favourite film podcast by a long way. It somehow makes Monday and Thursday two of the most exciting days of the week. You come for the fascinating stories behind your favourite movie production, but you stay to find out which third cousin of the hairdresser or the assistant stunt coordinator that Chris will pick for his MVW. <laughs> uh, thank you, Vicky, Alex and Chris. Five stars. Lovely. And I will be making this person very happy when they hear my MVW this week. Um, the goat. You know about the goat? It's a sort of come out of American sports, calling someone or something the goat. No? Greatest of all time. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this one from Lord Ramble, which I'm guessing makes him a football ramble listener. Well, Lord also... Ramble, mm? <laughs> I mean, if it's Lord Ramble, it's someone we know. Right, yeah. 
<laughs> I can't think it is. <laughs> Lord Ramble, who must have previously given us a review yes. um, uh, that I haven't seen, but he goes, revised up to five out of five. Good. Fun show. <laughs> awesome. So I wonder what we were on before. <laughs> I, I imagine a, a, a high three. <laughs> so thank you, Lord Ramble. And if you are our boss, we love you. Great. Good to know we're getting better. <laughs> uh, okay. On Monday, Alex entered Jim Carrey's twisted mind. So today it's my turn to do the same with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So let me take you on a journey. In this tale of deluded boy meets honest girl, uh, Summer tells Tom she's just not that into him. And Tom hears Summer say that she's madly in love with him and can't wait to get married and have his babies, making Tom the film's villain. Though in spite of the fact that he's clearly obsessed and unstable, she keeps shagging him, making some of the film's villain. No, it's Tom. Still Tom. Tom's the film's villain. The movie does sneakily position him as the hero by casting a puppy in the role and telling the story entirely from that puppy's point of view, confusing audiences by encouraging them to both empathise and sympathise with this seemingly adorable little guy. But no, Tom is still the villain in the end. Here, here. So when did you first see this, Vicky? <laughs> I can't remember, uh, but it was around the time it came out. And I remember Summer being such a manic pixie dream girl that mm. I didn't really ever want to watch it again uh, because I, it just really it just annoyed me. And she's not. And so we'll talk about it a lot later, but I'm very glad that we did it to watch it again. It's a film that tricks you. Yeah. It's brilliant. Uh, yep. Alex, I read a long article that argues that she still very much is a manic pixie dream girl. So I'm interested in discussing that. Sure. But a lot of my opinion of this movie comes from the fact that this was my first watch. Oh, great. So okay. I have oh, wow. no nostalgia factor, no 2009 different lens mm. to look at this through. I watched mm. this in the cold, hard glare of 2022. Interesting. And did you just watch it once this week? I just watched it once. Sure, but interestingly, I watched it in two halves. I watched the first half one night and then the second half another night, which explains a lot about why I was a little bit disappointed with the second half to be discussed. <laughs> so you did you did a couple of 250 days? Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. All right. So first time I watched this, I think it was at a preview. And I think personally, I was in Tom's headspace myself a little bit which isn't a good place to be. Um, so I was kind of rooting for him and I was rooting for them. And then afterwards, I thought maybe they were both assholes, and I wasn't sure if I liked the film. And I had some thoughts about the soundtrack, which I'll get into later. Uh, but about a year or so later, I watched it again and realised the film was actually a bit cleverer than me. And I hadn't quite picked up on what was being said and what they were doing. And so I liked it a lot more, um, but still found the excellent soundtrack quite annoying. Mm. Um but yeah, so I've gone through a journey with this film, I would say. So yeah, should we talk a bit about behind the scenes? Sure. Let's start with the writers, uh, Scott Newstater and Michael Webber, but specifically Scott. Uh, he wanted to write a relationship movie and he went to England and this film is basically what happened to him in England with a girl called Jenny Beckman. Oh, that's not very... See, this is no good. This, is, oh. this, gets, this gets bad. Okay, but he did show her the script, didn't he? We haven't written the script yet, Alex. Okay. We're getting there. So while he was having this relationship with this girl, he was sending Michael emails trying to figure out whether she was into him, telling him what was going on. Michael was emailing him back saying, you sound deranged. Uh, you're not making any sense. But he returned home to America and it inspired by the Henry Miller quote that comes up, if you want to get over someone, turn them into literature. He sat down and wrote this drama and he said it was catharsis. It was helping him to try and make sense of what happened. 
And he said he wrote it from the perspective of his own poisoned mind from movies and the music he grew up with. Um, he also said he wanted to make fun of the manic pixie dream girl aesthetic, the, the concept. Um, and he wanted to explore everyone thinking they're the hero of their own story. He didn't want to have a reliable narrator. He wanted to be stuck in this kid's mind. He wanted to be told from Tom's point of view. So the camera never enters a room unless Tom's there. We're, we're stuck in his brain. Um, and he wanted it to be entirely one-sided. Um, he did actually write a scene where Summer stops the film and explains something that really happened to show us what we're seeing isn't true. But it said it, he said it sort of broke the logic of the storytelling, so they dropped that. But his first draft was a 200-page first act. What an angry, angry man. <laughs> yeah, complete, it came, came out of a complete place of rage. Um, then he heard that she got engaged. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he said he was completely enraged, but also realised that that was the story he was telling. Mm. He was telling the story of her moving on. And so when they were done, he felt like it was too personal and too close to home. Um, so he left it on his computer for months and then he got fired from his job and he said, I was either moving back in with my parents or selling the script. So he started to show it to people and it suddenly got hot. There was interest in it. The Fox Searchlight bought it and the boss there, Peter Rice, had one note for them. Now, this is good studio note. Uh, he said, at the end of Act 2, you have to have make people believe that they're going to get back together. Uh, so write that. And that's where the train slash wedding scene comes from. And that's where the reality versus expectation sequence comes from, mm. uh, which obviously, uh, you know, really changes the movie. So they felt like it had a pop sensibility. So they wanted to get a music video director to potentially make it, which is how they found uh, Mark Webb. And he even, when he got the gig, he directed a Maroon 5 video using the reality versus expectation concept, and I, which I watched earlier, and it's exactly the same, but he, he, he was sort of trialling it there. We'll, we'll talk about, about that when we get there. But yeah, to get the gig, Mark Webb, he made posters um, for each day, put them in chronological order on a wall to see where the character's faith in love was at any point in the story, had music playing, and Piece of Rice came into this pitch and he got, he got the gig. So uh, they wanted, uh, Newstander wanted Joseph Gordon-Levitt from the moment he started writing it, so he got his wish. Uh, they all agreed that Zoe's a bit like Summer um, and she thought that Summer was a bit like her. Uh, she called it a 3D character that plays in two dimensions in the context of the film. That's how she looked at it. Mm. Okay. She was also friends with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They made a movie together and they'd done karaoke together loads. So that's nice. And there was uh, nothing new in the movie. They wanted the clothes, the production design, the props to give it this timeless quality. Um, so we'll discuss whether that works. Maybe we get some of that stuff, but it does certainly have a vision. Um, you wanted to know about Jenny Beckman. So they were told that they had to get her clearance before they could wow. get going with the film. So he hadn't spoken to her in a while and got in touch with her on Facebook and said, I've written a script about you. Will you read it? And is it okay? You run! <laughs> Yeah, he said it was the most awkward thing he's ever had to do and he did feel Hello, like a police. psychopath. Yeah. yeah. But she um she read it and she said it was fine. Uh-huh. Now this story goes some more places, but we'll get there oh, a bit what? later. Does it relate to the fact that it says uh Jenny, Jenny Beckman, Beckman a bit. bitch at the start? Because that's the thing I'm hung up on. I'm it's... I'm massively hung up on that as well, because even if like Chris has just told us this story. You wouldn't know this story to sit down and watch the film. Yeah. But you do know it's a male writer. Yeah. And you watch that. And then the male writer has put that on screen. Now, even without any of the backstory, you're like, that's ugly. Yes. That's such an ugly word anyway. Yeah. And to start a sentimental or whatever, anti-sentimental, yeah. a romantic movie with that, 
is just the worst decision in the world. Well, let's talk about the movie because it starts with author's note. Following is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Especially you, Jenny Beckman. Fine. Leave Would have been fine. Yep. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, but if she's okay, <laughs> it's fine. But then, as you say, to add bitch, um, all three of our changes this week is removing the word bitch from that sentence. Oh, shit. Hang on. Jenny's on the phone. Yeah. I know I didn't put that in the script that I sent you. That was I just sort of came up with that afterwards. That's not cool. Okay. Here's my lawyer. So we start with day 488. Uh, they're sitting on a bench looking into each other's eyes uh, and we're told it's a story of boy meets girl via voiceover. How are you feeling about that voiceover, Vicky? I'm not happy about it. I think it's overly long, etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera. I didn't but, look it up. Who is it? What, the voiceover? Yeah. Well, it's, um. oh God, it's... Oh, it's really famous. Yeah. You do know who it no, is. No, I don't. I don't. I didn't look it up. Chris? Look it up. I don't know. I didn't care. He sounds so it's familiar. Not, yeah. It's because you're thinking of um, The Big Lebowski, mm. but it isn't him. Is it? No. Right. It's a bit like that, though. It is a bit like that, yeah. I just assumed, you know, someone would know, bearing in mind. Not me. Sort of our job. <laughs> Vaguely. Well, if you're going to ask the question, now? look it up before you come here. Yeah. <laughs> but then... I don't need to ask the question. Then I just go, by the way, that voiceover is. <laughs> That's a lesson you've learned today. <laughs> uh, if I said the voiceover is, you'd have said, we haven't got to that bit yet. I've got a bit about that coming up in 20 minutes. Day one, uh, we learn that he wants to meet the one. Yeah. Uh, because of sad British pop music and a misreading of The Graduate. <laughs> What did he think the ending of The Graduate meant? Know. It's pretty clear that things are get, this is going to be bad. Yeah, which is good because it offsets. A lot of people want to find the one. It's not that weird. No. So when he's like, you're like, oh, are you a weirdo? Or are you not? Like, I'm not sure where I am with him because he's like, I had this thing that I wanted to find the one and she cut her hair. So it's like, she's not interested in the one and he is. But it's like, so are tons of people. So... Yeah, Summer is not interested in that because of the disintegration of her parents' marriage. But that cutting hair, I think, is because, you know, let's say it now, you ne we never see Summer in this movie. All we ever see is his recollection of Summer, which yeah. is very biased and very skewed. Mm. But I think the cutting of the hair is him seeing her as someone who would love something and then get rid of it in a second. Yes. Which is what he feels like she's done to him. We're told it's not a love story, then Us by Regina Spector plays as we see home videos of their respective childhoods. And my feeling about the music in this film is it's too much telling me how to feel. Yeah, I don't 100%. like being smashed around the head with it. It's a great soundtrack. It's got water wall bangers, but I feel like I'm being told it's what to think and feel. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it a bit too cool, though? It's too much. Isn't it also just a bit like if, if you put some music on at a party, there'd be a person that's kind of going, Oh, really? Have you just put this on? <laughs> and this person is that this movie. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's the movie version of someone going, seriously, mm. this? Yeah. Why don't you put the Smiths on? Come I on. think as well the Smiths means... That I, I can understand why American people might be like, what's the Smiths? This is so miserable. But here, well, maybe I'll tell you what, I'm speaking very personally. Mm. If someone's like, I'm really into the Smiths, that's a red flag. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not, I've never been a big Smiths fan. And I think people wear it as a badge to be like, because I'm really deep. Mm. And it's like, no, you're not. You just like this boring. I don't think it's boring and miserable. I think it's hugely overrated. I'm really into the Smiths. Of course you're fucking up. Because you, course, you yeah. do it to get, get girls. That, yeah. mm. you Why would you do that? <laughs> Whatever girl am I going to get because I like the Smiths? The that's not how the world want. works. That's yeah. the kind of girl you want. You want a girl that's like, did you say the Smiths? Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. I've also, never. You know, Chris is into the Smiths. <laughs> God, he's so deep. <laughs> I feel feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Yeah. Sure. But then, sure, I like football. 
I listen to the Smiths. Yeah, well. that's, that's the thing. thing. I think people yeah, I like a drink. People with the lads, but I do like the Smiths. People don't. That's people not understanding the Smiths though. Because oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> they're just funny though, aren't they? It's not that deep. It's just comedy. I mean, well, I mean, it's, I don't know. and it's also it's very much soured by who Morrissey is these days. Oh, the last five years. Uh, yeah, the last five years. It's in. I, mean, I wouldn't dream of seeing no, of him course, live I know now. You it's just horrendous. I just felt like when I was growing up in the north, people were like you like there was a certain thing that you had to like the yeah. Smiths, and I was like, but I. Dawn and what will become of me? Let me give you an idea of uh, who who listens to the Smiths. So we had a party at my house once, and one of my friends, who's still a very good friend of mine, very into the Smiths at that point. And at this party, he sat in the corner with his Walkman on and listened to the Smiths all night and didn't speak to anyone. Didn't that is a anyone. Smiths fan. <laughs> I tell you, Smiths fan. My second gig ever listened to, to the Smiths uh, was Morrissey <laughs> at the Failford Halls, and he came, he did a encore and he did a, a Smith song, and a bloke ran up on stage and kissed him and then punched him in the face. <laughs> and I thought, doesn't that sum up a Smiths fan? That's really? very good, I love yeah. you, but I hate you and yeah. I can't understand these emotions. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, um, day 290 and we've got the calendar back, flipping back and forth. Uh, Tom is smashing plates in his kitchen. He's potentially a violent human being. <laughs> uh, his little sister, Rachel, comes over um, to talk to him and someone, one of his friends says it's Amanda Heller all over again. This isn't the first time he's acted like this. This isn't the first time he's, he's behaved like this around a girl. Uh, he's a baddie. Um, he says things were going well, then Summer said they should stop seeing each other uh, and told him he's still her best friend. Which is funny, isn't it? Because you... That's so manipulative. If you're going to break up... But again, it's his memory... If you're going to break exactly. up with someone, just break up with them. You can't say as they're leaving, but you're still my best friend. It's like, yeah. well, really? But I don't think we are. As you say, we, potentially she didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it's difficult. It's really difficult. But I, there's an article on Observer.com which goes in great detail about how the idea that the filmmakers are going, yeah, she's a manic pixie dream girl, but it's almost a sort of takedown of that because we're telling it from Tom's perspective. So it's his immature view of a woman. Mark Webb yeah. actually says uh, she's Tom's view of a woman. He doesn't see her complexity and the consequence for him is heartbreak. Mm. But there's still the film does still have her do things that would make you as the viewer even taking into account the idea, like, this is from his perspective. But by the end, she is saying things that you're like, that's a shitty thing to do, Summer. Like, She like, might not have said that. I know she might not have done, but she, yeah. I, Are I'm, you going to get upset about having to do work when watching a film again, like, on Monday? Emotional work. Okay. Well, he doesn't listen to the Smith, so it's not like he can tap into it and be like, oh, there's my feelings. Go on. Carry on. We'll so get he, to it. He wants to get her back. Uh, we jump to day one. He's working at a greeting card company. Um, Vicky, how do you feel about a romantic comedy Love it. greeting card company? Love it. 100%. Massive pass. It's a non-job. It's not a real job. Yeah. But it's also the non-job in the way that Eternal Sunshine invokes a non-job, which is like the cutesy thing of like, who names his hair dyes? Oh, no one. That's a real mm. job. No one has this job, which is why it's perfect for a rom-com. They make a joke about the job and it's the reason they picked it. They wanted to have the least disposable thing he yeah. could be doing. And, that's and a... his dream job is the most... Yeah. The opposite, sorry, the least disposable it thing. It is kind of working being an for that joke. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't make enough of it though. Yeah, there's I agree so much more fun you can have with a greeting cards company, especially his meltdown in the boardroom later on, which I think is a, a bit of a fail. Yeah, sure, they, they wrote 15 alternatives for that as well. I've got some of them. Oh, good. For a bit later. I think as well, the thing is with the Manic Picture Dream Girl stuff as well, like he's got this shit job that you know that 
in a in a traditional no a more sort of standard rom com, the man it picks a dream girl helps the guy find his true self and true calling and all the rest of it, mm. and so you expect Summer to do that. And she does do that, but just not in the way that she would. My ultimate manic pixie dream girl that I get cross about is Garden State. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a fucking doozy one. It's the of worst one. one. It's the worst one. But she exists. I've never stood. Has anyone ever made this position in this oh. part of the room before? I was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Natalie Portman, you can pull a lot off. You cannot do no one. <laughs> yeah. what, who's Shut up. Yeah, but she's there to fix him. But it's funny. It's a good thing in this film that all those tropes do kick in, in but in not the way mm. that you expect. Well, he describes Summer here and it's all to do with her appearance. Yes. It's all superficial. Yeah. He's, it's, he's wrong right from the start. But that's why go. the casting's so genius because you know um, mm. that that girl, the way she looked, this, this full vintage bullshit the fucking massive fringe all of that who sings fucking Sugartown at karaoke no one a nutter does that <laughs> but, but... Uh, Zoe Deschanel sings well, that well obviously she got to pick her song yeah but then she's got no female friends for that reason Which is... <laughs> how do you know Zoe Deschanel's got no female friends no I mean, I mean Summer, summer. Okay. That, that is the dark side of this movie because of this movie like the manic pixie dream girl uh, trope transcended her role in this movie yeah. and Zoe Deschanel in real life the, the human being became like the representative yes, of representation of, of being a manic pixie dream girl which is just an insane concept that a real human being <laughs> not a character in a movie people could go Zoe Deschanel's a manic pixie dream girl what, what, what are you yeah. saying? Well, she, she, how many episodes of New Girl did she do? That yeah. would have contributed to it yeah, but she, I mean, they kind of play on it in that where yeah. there's a character in that who goes, do you need your blankie? She's like, I've <laughs> never said blankie. <laughs> but you see Zoe Deschanel and you think she will solve all your problems just by looking at her. And that's what Tom thinks. And so you think it as well. So which is why the film plays with you a mm. bit because the way, you know, she's she doesn't do anything, but she looks like the kind of girl that's going to save your life. Yeah. Kind of so they're in a lift together. He's listening to the Smiths. Yeah. <laughs> um, she loves the Smiths. <laughs> Bang. Uh, day eight. <laughs> Uh, office party. Uh, he calls her anal. Uh, there's a good spit take there. It's not a good spit take. I think it's a good one. I think it's a stupid joke. I think it's a good joke, but she wouldn't say that. Like, but then it's his memory, I guess. So it's fine. But she's like, "Oh, they call me anal girl. Why have you said like fine, whatever? Are you that stupid that you don't know what that means? Like, I don't know. You need more spray with a spit take. There's not enough spray. It sort of glubs back into the glass. Ooh. <laughs> He said he, uh, the, the screenwriter said he, he he added in stuff like fairy tale bird, the spit take, the narrator. He said I wanted a bunch of fun things to chuck in there because otherwise it's just a bloke whining. <laughs> <laughs> Him, I think he was feeling quite self conscious. So uh, Tom starts drawing a building, then gives up. We'll come back to that later. Day one hundred and fifty four. Uh, it tells his friends he's in love with her. Uh, they keep telling him, no, you're not. Mm. He can't hear it. He's not listening to his friends. Everyone is telling him this is wrong. He tell, uh, Day 11, he tells Rachel, his sister, how great she is while they're playing Wii Tennis. And she says, just because you like the same things doesn't make her your soulmate. Yeah. Uh, which I think is the key line in the movie, probably. Yeah. Mm. Um, he, he's got a, Scott has a sister who's 11 years younger than him who was saying similar things. So. Mm, really? All very autobiographical. <laughs> I don't think little girls like that exist, but fine. <laughs> I think I, th I think Chloe Moretz was like that. Well, that's true, girl. actually. If she's like, I'm the actor, Chloe Moretz. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made sense. I went on the set of Kick-Ass, um, the first movie, which was made when this, the year this came they out. They should have and... leaned into it and made her have a be a child star. That would just made more... Like, why do you speak so unnaturally grown up? Oh, because I'm a child star. Perfect. Yeah. Not, I'm just not a normal it's like, I did feel like I was talking to a 60-year-old woman when I <laughs> that day. What's her face from uh, Miracle on 34th Street? Oh, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mara Wilson. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or Natalie Wood. <laughs> no, Mara Wilson. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> 
Day 22. It's off because she told him her weekend was good. Uh, that is verbatim something that Newstander said uh, and Wibber called him crazy and said they should write it down. Um, it's worrying. Scott, I'm worried about you. What do you mean? Uh, so he'd asked this girl, Jenny Beckman, how her weekend was. She said it was good and he Assumed emailed, she... emailed uh, his writing partner and said it's off. She said her weekend was good. She, Have she you never me. been that infatuated someone that you do read? Yeah. Yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is this, these are these are real things. It doesn't make no we're not psychopaths. I for, don't know. <laughs> for thinking that. Like Over, you, overthink, yeah, overthinking relationship stuff. Yeah. I think he's a I think he's a bit old. The the problem with like the character, he, he's just mm. a bit too old to still be thinking like that. These are sort of like teenage er, like at, at most early 20s mm. behavior tropes mm. like he's older than that in this movie and by that point you've gone god i'm being ridiculous whereas as a kid if he if they'd aged him down five ten years you'd be like yeah i was like that at that age i used to think the most nuts things when a girl said something like yeah i had a great weekend i'd be like what the fuck <laughs> What a fucking thing to say. I'm just confused. Isn't Joseph Gordon-Levitt still 15? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, he is actually. How, how, old, how old are they supposed to be then? I, th- I thought mid-20s. Mid-20s, maybe. I'd put them as a little bit older, late okay. 20s. But I, even so, I, I think, you know, around 20, 21, you start to realise what's ridiculous. It's difficult, isn't it? Because when you're in the mess like that, you do obsess over little things, but your friends actually, well, in my experience, they're like, no one gives a shit, do they? So you're like, oh, this thing happened. And then he said this. And they're like, all right, I don't know, whatever. We don't care. But if your friends were going to say anything, they'd be like, okay, great. Well, why don't you just ask them out then? Or why don't you just do something? I've never been in a situation where someone's gone, you're crazy. Like, it doesn't mean anything. It's a good litmus test for real friendship. I think yeah. real friends are people who go, I honestly don't care. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People who go, tell me more. <clears throat> okay, let's try and analyse this. It's like, I yeah. don't want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> you're my friend if you go, fuck off. I just say, you know, I'm here if you need me, but I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't bring it anywhere near me. <laughs> uh, day 28 uh, is when they do the karaoke. Um, and she's pretty clear here. She likes being on her own. She doesn't believe in love. So this is makes no sense because mm-hmm. he's, wh- why did the film do the thing where he's like, I believe in the one. And all she needs to do is go, I don't believe in the one. But to say, I don't believe in love. It's like, do you have no parents, no friends, no, no, no love. You don't love animals. There's Ooh. nothing in your life that makes you love anything. That's I, weird. I, I think you'd find a lot of people who understand the concept of sort of love in that sense. Yeah. I think she's making a real clear differentiation between falling in love yeah. with someone and the idea of romantic love yeah. as opposed to the love you feel for like a cat or something. Mm. I think they're different kinds of love. Yeah, because she, she refers to it as a fantasy. Mm. So okay. I, I think that's what she but means. She says, she's, I don't believe in love. She means, she means between a partner and her. Okay. She's talking specifically about the, the, the love that comes from a relationship. But yeah, she because can... she's answering the question, what happens if you fall in love? Okay. Okay. I just thought it was a bit extreme. Mm. It's not like chocolate or... But uh, friends. She does she not ben have any friends. Ben and Jerry's cookie dough. Does sponsor. she not love her mum and dad? Um, and you know, love exists because she can feel yeah, that love. But again, it's, it's, she's being very specific. Because I, I used to say that for, for a very long time. I was like, I, you know, because I hadn't experienced it in relationships. But okay. it's specific to relationship love. Like you, you're with people and you sort of... Because of how we're told in movies, like it's fucking yes. like amazing thing. Yeah. And you sort of wait for that, especially when you've watched too many fucking movies <laughs> and it never happens. And you sort of like, what, what, is, yeah. what is love? Okay, I get it. I suppose that they're what it's a very cool thing to say as well. What to your partner? I don't think so. Not to your partner, but to to, to people like no, definitely not to your partner. <laughs> <laughs> love. <What? laughs> 
<laughs> oh no, you should have asked uh, fucking two years ago, love. What? Absolutely not. What a load of bullshit. <laughs> but we're friends no, though, yeah. yeah? You're my best friend. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some inappropriate touching in the office. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. And we're back. Day 31. She kisses him by the photocopier. That would not fly now. No. Uh, no heavy petting I mean, in the office. Sorry, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> no heavy petting in the studio, Alex. I've told you before. I mean... M- remove your hand. Yeah. I guess, I guess so. I don't know. It works in the movie. Um, it was a different time. It was a different time, yeah. Uh, day 282, they're looking around Ikea pretending it's their home. Um, <laughs> well, but this is where it's bad. She isn't amused by him claiming that their sink is broken. Yes. And then day 35, they're looking around Ikea pretending it's their home and she is amused by she him. She thinks that's fucking hilarious. She makes the sink joke the first time around. <laughs> it's mm. not even good. She's not even good at it. It's just like, oh, like if you're going to improv, let's go somewhere. <laughs> let's really... I probably don't. Don't go call an Asian family. There's some Chinese people in no, our kitchen. No, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, but she says, I'm really it's not... a different time. 
I'm no, really not looking for anything serious she tells him. I mean, over and over again, it's smashing us around the head with it, actually. I mean, at this point, you just feel gutted for it. I think if you're yes. going to say something like that, to someone, and also it's an inversion of more common tropes where a man is saying to a woman who's desperate for commitment, I can't commit at that level right now and all of that. And you get the, these tropes of a very needy woman. So you recognise it and it's like, well, that's fun to see it the other way around. There's plenty of women that feel like that. But it is a bit brutal that she does it in Ikea because it's a public space. Why are they in Ikea? Yeah, I don't ask what, a good point. Why are they in Ikea? I, I thought, oh, wow, this is they're moving in together. Yeah. They're not. And so it's like, it's just like... It's a cutesy romantic comedy thing to do. Well, she's just moved to the city. Have so you maybe. fucking been to Ikea? <laughs> yeah. It is like... They're, all, they're always on industrial estate. Nice. So first of all, you are getting a taxi. You're like, what are we going to do for this day? Let's get a cab to an industrial estate and go to Ikea because then we can do some sort of crap jokes as we walk around. <laughs> Meatballs. Yeah. That's good. The hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. And that cheesecake thing. Yeah. That's worth it. Again, if you're going to Ikea for the food, there's something wrong. <laughs> that's, this is not a date. That's not a date. <laughs> you the imagine? food isn't that good. And it's so cheap. It's like, I'll get this. <laughs> <laughs> and also, once you've done all the furniture jokes, to get out, you still have to walk through that bit with like, <laughs> so a warehouse with just like wood. <laughs> Yeah, it's not funny anymore, is it? <laughs> <laughs> they shag. sponsored it. Definitely, there's some money changed hands there. <laughs> you want to use IKEA? <laughs> Uh, they shag and we've got the morning after. Uh, you make my dreams by Daryl Hall and John Oates. Well, yeah, because this is so good oh, because it's, it's a amazing. bit gross because he's like, I got laid, or she got laid, or we got laid, whatever. But it's one of the better songs. <laughs> Thank so... God they don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I don't like a musical, so it's the exception that proves the rule. I think this bit is brilliant. Yeah. So when they were working oh, on the script, the really first like thing it. they did was make a list of great moments in a relationship, and one of them was the first time you have sex. Incorrect. It's the second time, and everybody knows that. You can. They might have done it twice. They might have done it twice. Yeah, the first no, just that is just clear the like clear I, the. Decks. I argue it's, a, it's about a year in when <laughs> regular sex has got a bit boring. So it's like, hello, let's mix things. Up. Remember this? Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is the first time. It's not. It, it, of course, it is. No, as long as it's not gone bad. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, first time's special. Yeah, no. no. You, what, you, what you're happened? doing it wrong. Well, possibly. I mean, second time, second time. Everyone can relax the second time round. Are you actually saying that on more than one occasion, in more than one relationship, the second time you've had sex with that person has been better than the first time? Like, statistically, empirically, do you have evidence to support that? Evidence? <laughs> you want me to bring him in? <laughs> no, you're inside you. Like, do you remember if it? If you could always next week. better the second time. I just think, if the second, I think like Chris says, if the second time is immediately, more or less immediately after the first, then it is the second time, I'm yeah. talking 15 minutes. 15, sure, whatever. Uh, fine, an, an amount of time. In the morning, actually. Wait, That's are you a... now saying the second time? No. All right, exactly. <laughs> exactly, no, it's the first. Wait, are we lumping multiple intercourses yeah, that into... take place on the same night as the first time, I, Yes, I'm just splitting the difference a little bit. So uh, I'm saying I didn't realise you were talking about like a week later. as in the, the night, yeah, great, because it's first time, but not the literal first time. I right, think, okay. I'm changed, no, I'm not changing my mind. That's yeah, I, I mean, you, you are. <laughs> you are. So what we mean is the first night, regardless of how many times you make love, <laughs> is the best. Uh, it's not the best. Oh, God, this is going on forever. It's, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's not the best ever. It's like you say, once you get your eye in, yeah. <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> if your eye's in, you're not doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Keep, keep eyes out of it. <laughs> um, let me... Don't look down there. 
I wanted. Why <laughs> were you? I mean, <laughs> a buffer like over her head. Just get it done. <laughs> I just mean, depending on your positioning, and there are certain positions where it's like eyes closed. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Hold up. <laughs> Scarf on. Have I got provisions? Yeah. Could be down here a while. <laughs> Are you checking your foot? No. Are you no. a sandwich? <laughs> we done? Chris, I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, it's fine. Done. Okay, we're and we're now we're flitting back to minute 30 on the show. Just like the structure. I the want film. to describe the musical sequence for a reason. So he looks in a car window and the reflection is Han Solo. Mm. Everyone's greeting him and high-fiving him in the park. Then they all start dancing. Um, only Zoe wears blue because of the blue in her eyes. All through this film, she's the only person who wears blue apart from this scene where the whole world turns blue. Oh, that's cute. And it ends with a blue bird landing on his shoulder. So, sad bit of news about this scene. Uh, Hall and Oates were going to be in it until a week before one of them pulled out. They were going to be dancing with him. Brilliant. That would have been amazing. It and was. also... They shot a sad version of it, an alternate version, for later in the film when he's down. Mm. Um, and what that was, it was the same song, but he's having the worst day ever. So there's people smashing into him. His reflection is him rather than Han Solo. It should have been the Emperor, I think. <laughs> um, uh, the fountain switches off when he walks past it. The marching band boo him <laughs> and the bluebird shits on him. Uh, so it's because of bad sex. It's like Bittersweet Symphony versus Vindaloo. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And it's a great sequence. Um, it, you can see it online. Uh, but... It, they said it sucked the air out of the movie. Mm. So I'm kind of gutted. So anyway, this happy day ends with him in the lift smiling. Cuts to day 303. He's in the lift and he's not smiling. He's miserable. He's working on getting her back. But she emails him asking if he's ready to be friends. So this is day 303. It's mm. already over yeah. at this point. Uh he gatekeeps about Octopus's Garden being the best Beatles song. He seems like a knob there. Um, I mean, it isn't. No. <laughs> Just like, Everyone's allowed to have their favourite, Alex. It feels like something someone would say to be contrary, yes. though. The whole yeah. Ringo Starr thing does, to be yeah, honest. totally. What, she likes Ringo? Yeah. Just, mm. It's not that yeah. she likes him, it's that he's, he's the best Beatle. Mm. Or her favourite, which is it? I don't know. I think she says he's the best. But it's, you know. yeah, Wrong. He's fourth best, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's Pete Best above him. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, there's some stuff about buildings, looking up at buildings, saying that LA is a beautiful city. I don't know. We, we, we learn that this bench is his favourite spot in the city. Mm. Um, he does some architecture on her arm. Yeah, it's annoying. Mm. Also, Marge Simpson. <clears throat> she used the Ringo thing. She was his. Marge, really? Marge Simpson's favourite Beatles, Ringo, and she paints a picture of him and then he doesn't get it until much later. Oh, that just makes thing. you love Marge. Mm. So it doesn't yeah. quite work. Oh, funny. Do you ever see the video of Ringo warning people to stop sending him fan mail? No. <laughs> yeah, he's really aggressive and it's weird. He goes, I'm warning you, stop sending me this. I'm warning you with peace and love, with peace and love, I'm warning you. <laughs> it's like, wow, what are you talking about? What this is mail? terrifying. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fan hitting Morrissey. <laughs> wow. It is. Oh, it is. Uh, day 109, um, the night everything changed. So her wall comes down. She's telling him stuff she hasn't told anyone before. And I think it's so clever, this scene. Yeah. Because while she's while she telling him the stuff, her voice fades out. And the narrator's voice comes in with him asking himself if anyone has ever made it that far with her before. So he stops listening to her yeah. and it's all about him. It's um, so good because it's so recognisable when you're obsessed with a person. It might get a man. 
and you just do that thing where you like you you are just desperate for like morsels of anything, mm. like crumbs from the table, and you get told something. You see it in films as well, but you get told something, and you're like, oh fuck, I am special mm. because someone's told me this, and it's such a manipulative play to be like. I've actually never told anybody this before. Uh, insert fucking boring dream memory here. <laughs> like, not yeah. even anything good. Like, tell me something juicy. But anyone talking about dreams, always horrendously boring. It's yeah. good that he stops listening to her. But it's brilliant. I don't know if she's doing... Does she know she's doing it? Where she's like, I'm going to reel him in a little bit by being like, look inside. And, you know, I can say multitudes kind of thing. Mm. I loved it. Well, it doesn't matter because not, he's not listening to her anyway. No. What's interesting in this scene is the narrator going, uh, and it was the next six words... That changed everything. And she says, I've never told anybody that before, which is six words. Mm. And he says, I guess I'm not just anybody, mm. which is also six words. Nice. So you're like, I wonder which six words yeah. the narrator is referring to. Or is it both? Is it the fact Very that good. she says six words and he thinks, oh, my God, I'm in here. Mm. And he says, I guess I'm not just anybody. And she realises, fuck, he's into me too much. <laughs> yeah. I need to pull back from this relationship. Yeah. Uh, day 259, uh, the business douchebag chats her up at the bar. Um, this is the first sign of trouble in the correct chronology, day 259, where right. it's, it's obvious that the stuff's going wrong. Um, and Tom punches the guy, mm. which I feel like is his Will Smith moment. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow, it, is that a thing now? <laughs> Are we I, already there? I, I guess so. Yep. I was gutted uh, that we didn't get to throw it back to you in the studio during the Oscar coverage. Who was I? The one year we just do a build-up <laughs> show and leave the ceremony to itself and then Will Smith decides to go full slappy. What, what would you have, you have done? Yeah, what would, I, I, I'm, think, I'm just imagining Alex just staring at the screen with his eyes wide Geopanic. open for ages. Yeah, probably. I would have done for that. For comedic value. It, oh, okay, yes. It's, uh, That's not what I thought it uh, Yeah. Have you discussed it on the show? No, we haven't. No, no. I mean, what on earth was happening? I don't know. What, what on earth? It's very, I find it very upsetting. Yeah. It is. The it, thought, thinking about it, watching it, it's just really heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he'll be back. I give it 18 months, two years. Um, he'll be drip fed back into the world in mm. a kind of like, you know, changed, remorseful, different kind of will. Of they love yeah. a hero, a hero's journey. But how, I mean, am I going to be able to get over it watching his films? Well, I don't think we'll be, we'll be seeing the same kind of films because the thing is, the movies that, you know, like the Bad Boys franchise, for example, I'm not watching Mike Lowry. I'm not going to see Will Smith play Mike Lowry. I'm mm. going to see Will Smith be Will Smith because I believe Will Smith is a fun, wise-cracking guy. Yes. And he's just been given a character's name. But I'm watching Will Smith. 100%, oh, that's yeah. gone. Yeah. Oh, that's not there anymore. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So I think, you know... It'll be slow, but have you heard some people going? But do you think you think it was important? It was done on purpose. There is still a theory no. that it no, was like ignore. done. Yeah, exactly. Ignore. I did. I did listen to an, a podcast in January. It was Dana Carvey interviewing um, Chris Rock, and he was saying on that that when he was young, he got bullied a lot. And one day he struck back and nearly killed his bully with a brick. Mm. And it, it got so serious that his family were nearly going to get him out of the state. And the guy survived. And he said, since that day, I've been too frightened to ever lose my temper. I haven't lost my temper since. He said, I tend to let people walk all over me because I know I've got this rage inside of me that I've got to control. Mm. And so it's interesting watching that, his reaction with that knowledge that he's got a screw loose when it comes to violence. Yeah, because he doesn't do, he doesn't do anything. No, he won't do anything. Yeah. I just wonder, I, I think, you know, because he is someone, like, because he's a showman, and you, you can only be like that bigger showman, like on show all the time for a certain period of time before you need to go and close the door and recharge, mm -hmm. you know. 
and I think because Jada's taken a, a, a decision to sort of put everything on the table with her red table talks and everything mm-hmm. and like talk about the family and be really very open. I wonder if he's not able anymore to sort of like have that recharge time because on the yeah. one hand he's the showman and then he goes home and he's like, let's talk about our marriage. Yeah. And like, you know, on the telly. I think his, <laughs> yeah. bra- his brain just went <laughs> and like he just like lost it for a moment, a moment yeah. of madness. It made me think of it though, you're right, because she, Summer doesn't like the violence that yes. she's seen. Yes. And so she's got this thing that like, I was sorting it out myself. Yeah, and I he can only, look after myself. Yeah. Like, and he's, he's all, oh, I got my ass kicked for you. Yeah, exactly. And he hits him when he says, he slags, uh, Tom off in particular it's not instantly when he keeps asking her about the drink mm. but there were so many articles written about the, the reaction to Will Smith it's like some people say why would you not like it your man was sticking up for you and it's like that and it's such a complicated thing like you, the way that you are brought up and just I don't have a clear concise or like sort of definitive thing about what I would expect in that situation I don't like violence because it, violence in the world can come back on you kind of thing like I don't think that I don't think Tom is ever going to hit Summer. He doesn't seem like that sort of person that we see. Mm. But she's like, I don't like it because if you think that's a reasonable reaction to something, that can come back on me in many other ways on the street or, or you know, in my mm. life. And that's why you have that curl of disgust. You're like, I don't want that anywhere near me. Mm. And then there is a weird part of you that's like, what would you do if someone did that to me in a bar? It's just a weird feeling brought up by Will Smith and this scene. Mm-hmm. 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 So they have an argument. Um, she tells him we're just friends. <laughs> Uh, again, uh, he loses it. It's more than friendship for him. Uh, she doesn't want a relationship and he storms off and he goes to bed and um, she shows up at his door and apologises. They cut a scene here where he storms out of her apartment and then goes back to try and finish the argument and has to get buzzed up. And by the time he's got up there, he forgot what he was going to say, which yeah. is something that Scott did and in again, real life. And again, it's his memory. But I think when she apologises for being cross about the violence, I don't think she should apologise. I think that's her. that should be her red line. Again, mm-hmm. it's his memory. So she's like, I'm not going to say sorry for that. Because I don't find that acceptable. And when she says to him with his lips, she says, does it hurt? And it's like, you are like a mother in him or you're mm. fetishising that a little bit that it is quite attractive to you that he got hit in the face for, in quote marks, for you. But that does sort of typify how complicated it is to feel like that. Mm. Okay, so this is interesting. I was going to introduce this later, but I told you I watched this movie in two halves. So I watched the first half and it's, it was all very much from Tom's perspective. Uh, it is Tom, isn't it? Yeah, Tom. Yeah. And um, and then I was like, it's late. I'm got. Let's we'll pick it up tomorrow. And Nettie, who'd been championing this movie, said the second half is even better because you see things from Summer's perspective. Mm. So in my head, I was like, oh my god, what a genius film this is going to be! So I am going to see these exact scenes replayed, how they kind how they happened mm. from Summer's point of view. So you'd see the bar scene mm. and you'd see the the way it actually happened and how it was more Tom's mm. fault than hers. You'd see her arriving at the apartment door and like what she actually said as opposed to like, mm. I'm sorry for getting angry. And so I was expecting a completely different movie to what the second half of this bloody movie actually is. Okay. Uh, but we don't ever see anything from Summer's point of view. Which is, which mm. is, I think, a mistake. I think that, to me, is an interesting film, yeah. to watch the same events from two different people's point of view. Yeah, I mean, it's been done to death before, but um, he said, she said, it's a Kevin Bacon film. and Didn't see it. Yeah, Any a few films have done that. Um, Rationon, it's not about relationship. <laughs> <laughs> not seen it? No. Sounds good, though. Uh, it's very good, yeah, but it's, it's oh. about a sexual assault. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, but so she doesn't want... 
to label things. He needs consistency. He wants to know she won't feel differently one day. She can't promise that. But they start kissing and um, she starts telling him about her past boyfriends. The rower, the singer, the girl, the Italian with the big dick called Puma. Why does a Puma have a big dick? Uh, exactly. Vicky. <laughs> Why is it, I don't does keep it, pumas. Does it? They say it like this is yeah. a thing. And no, no, it's, it's not. It's a, it would be a racehorse. I mean, a racehorse. A stallion is the big thing. The, also, the Italian stallion. It's all the, in it's front the, of you. That's the metaphor or whatever, isn't it? The, Maybe pumas do. Yeah, but pumas. it's just not a thing. Don't call it a puma. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. American. I'm so sorry. I didn't it's mean to. She's quoting the film. I was, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just <laughs> good. I wanted to check. This wasn't an analogy that I'd never heard of. Oh, because no one's ever said it to you. Well, I've been called. I've been called a racehorse, but not not a puma. Because <laughs> you fell at the first hurdle. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, no, I've been called a puma then. So, <laughs> even though I don't know what it means, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they're in a park they're covered in fur. <laughs> After this weird conversation, they're in a park saying the word penis louder than each other. That's which your manic pixie dream girl moment. It's Dick and Dom. It's Dick and Dom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, they, did, were they watching Dick and Dom? Well, they could have. Done, they could have used bogeys. Oh, bogies. I, can't, I couldn't remember. Was, yeah. was, was, did they it say bollocks? Me, it took was me a while to remember it's bogies. On CBBC? No, they didn't say bollocks. I prefer that they said bollocks. I find bogies such a disgusting word. Yeah, kids might have a problem with it. What, bollocks? Yeah. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Yeah, and, there, and here ends Chris's job as a TV producer <laughs> for Saturday morning children. Bollocks! <laughs> Fuck off! Uh, so we've got one of these, another one of these things comparing uh, day one, nine, one, they're at the cinema watching Vagiant. Vagiant. Oh, yeah, part vampire, is. part giant. And they're laughing then three, day three, one, four, he's in the cinema on his own, he's not laughing, he's watching a friend art house drama with a clown and a balloon. Is it, but it's a, he's... It's sleep, though, isn't he? Because he's dreaming, because he's in the movies. Yes, yeah. it's a spoof of the same. So it turns into sort of a Zucker Brothers parody here, though, which I wasn't a fan of. I quite like it. Do you? Yeah, it's it's just short enough. And I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is good enough in it. That... Yeah, and, and this was, when it came to him, this was a very comedic scene and he told them, encouraged them to make it a bit sadder. And so that's yeah. what they, they rewrote it for him. Uh, now, the meltdown, you mentioned Alex in the boardroom, day three, two, one. Um, he has written a card that says, roses are red, violets are blue, fuck you, whore. Not nice. That's pretty hardcore, isn't it? Yeah. So they they had to come up with 15 alternatives because of the F word. They didn't know if they could use the F bomb there. This is in the office. Yes. With um, the Clark a Greg. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the only one they mentioned on the commentary is uh, roses are red, violets are blue, I'm right behind you. Jesus Christ. I quite like that. <laughs> That's better. I think it's better than whore. Mm. No, it's super, I mean, it's meant to be super threatening. Imagine if you got that. Mm. Yeah. There's something Scary. wrong with this man. Oh, hi, I mean, Jenny. I I've think, written a film about you. I don't think either card is going to get made. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's not the suggestion here. <laughs> Do we go with fuck you, whore, or I'm right behind you? <laughs> but it is funny when he says to him, I think you should channel your energies into funeral and grief, misery, sadness, loss of faith, no reason to live. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's dark. Uh, day one, six, seven. He's absolutely nailing it at work back when he's happy. Day three, four, five. He's on a blind date and he's such a knob, isn't he? Yeah. He's not sure if, if Summer's evil and emotionless or a robot. Mm. But it is a funny. little bit of a blind spot of the writer that he, the blind the date's not going very well. She's bored yep. and yet she still follows into the karaoke bar. Mm. A normal woman would be like, I'm going to go now because mm. there's no spark or whatever. But why she follows into the karaoke bar doesn't make any sense. I agree. I agree. But she does 
make the point. She never cheated on you. She never took advantage of you. She told you up front that she didn't want a boyfriend. What's the issue? Yes, she's right. So it's setting out the film stall yet again. Um, I must have missed all this the first time I watched it. Uh, we've got the wedding scene now. And so he sort of has a lovely, or his memory in him anyway. It's lovely. They dance. They get on with each other. She sleeps on his shoulder on the way back. Then we get these talking heads. Yeah. Um, which I think is quite neat. I don't know if the film needs it, but it's all everyone describing their perfect woman. And they're all making the point that they don't want a fantasy. They want a real person. Yeah. Whereas they're talking about reality. Whereas when it's Tom's turn, he says nothing because he can't answer that question because he still wants the fantasy. Mm. He doesn't understand that he needs a real person. Yeah. Uh, so it's clever. I just don't know if it's necessary. Then we've got the party at her place expectations versus reality. Clever. So that um, Maroon 5 video is called Good Night, Good Night. came out in 2008. I've never heard the song, but it's a really clever video about the beginning and end of a relationship um, using the split screen. They've got a song called Good Night, Good Night. Mm. There's a Hot Hot Heat song called Good Night, Good Night as well. Mm. Nearly interesting. Mm. Um, Hero <laughs> Hero by Regina. I was really into you Hot Hot Good like Night. Good night. Yeah, yeah, that was good as well. Bandages on my head, on my knife for you. Bandages, bandages. So uh, Regina Spectre plays, not Hot Hot Heat. But it's a super clever sequence. The party gets dramatically worse for him. He gets drunk um, uh, rather than kissing her, which he thinks he's going to. He sees her engagement ring. And I think it's a great choice to not have them have it out there. He just leaves. Why did she invite him to her engagement party? Is it an engagement party? I think it is. I think there's enough happening there. As the viewer, you you could assume it was an engagement party because it's not long after the wedding. It's the Friday after the wedding. Mm. And she didn't have a ring at the wedding. Mm. So you'd assume that it is the engagement party. What on earth, you know, even though this is all told from Tom's perspective... What on earth is Summer doing inviting him to that party, bearing in mind the history they have I, and what she knows about I agree. About and I think if there's any criticism of Summer, it, it's that. And also, like, if it, it must be very obvious that he's madly in love with her. Mm-hmm. She's very clear that she's not in love with him. At some point, she needs to sever. She sure. needs to cut ties and stop having sex with him maybe a bit sooner. Like, I think that's where, whoever she is, I think that's where she's gone wrong yeah. on on this side of things. Sure, but he, I think she has stopped having sex with him at that point. I mean, clearly she the has. wedding. Oh yes, by this point she has. The wedding, the, the wedding that they went to, like she hasn't seen him for a while. From you learn that from the conversation on the train and the party shortly after that. But she should not be inviting him to that party. Agreed. 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 Uh, so it's all summer's fault. <laughs> <laughs> he gets drunk for a few days. Um, delivers a miserable speech at work, has a big meltdown. And that's the scene I was actually talking Sorry, about. Sorry, yeah, I, agree. I realise that now. This is the meltdown scene. I just, for me, this this just, I don't know where there are, I, maybe maybe it's sort of Scrooged. Maybe I've watched Bill Murray in too many boardrooms having meltdowns. Maybe <laughs> I've just, I just feel like, you know, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's great. I just think that another actor, maybe with more comedic chops, could have really milked this scene, like the bit where he's go like talking about the woman's cat. Yeah, like, Rhoda's work is yeah, shit. It's, yeah. It just feels like it needs to be like f- funny meltdown and then sad at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, so day 450, uh, more stuff from Rachel, his little sister. I know you think she was the one, but I don't. I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time you look back, I really think you should look again. They go to see The Graduate together, and uh, we see that ending while Simon and Garfunkel plays, and she cries. Now, interestingly, in the behind the scenes, they told Zoe that three days previous to this date is when she'd met the new guy. Right. 
She's got the book. She he they told her how they met, and and she's she's already kissed someone else. So that's why, which she, I didn't really appreciate watching the film because it's not in the film. But mm. so she's already two times him, and that's why she's crying there because I mm-hmm. guess she knows it's over and she's got to break up with him. And that's when he tries to hold her hand, and she doesn't want to hold his hand. And he suggests pancakes, and that takes us back to that argument earlier in the film. So now his life sort of starts changing. Day four, five, six to four, seven, six. He's doing architecture. We get an architecture montage. Great. He's following his dream. Did the girl make him do this? Is, is it the girl's reason? Is the girl why he's doing this? Yes. Because he's broken up with her and he is needs it, to it, change. And is it not he's having a self-realisation? Because he's broken up with someone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt talked about this on Twitter because people were sort of arguing that... Uh, people well, think Summer's the hero. Uh, Summer's the villain he's the hero. That's what he gets frustrated with. No, people... I, I, I think people think that... Uh, Summer is the villain, uh, or at least that was what he was responding to in this tweet. And he said, well, let me just read the tweet and yeah. then we can make our own minds up. He says, watch it again. Uh, yeah, so he was responding to fa- uh, uh, to a fan's condemnation of Summer hmm. with the instructions, watch it again. It's mostly Tom's fault. He's projecting. He's not listening. He's selfish. Luckily, he grows by the end. So <laughs> this article on Observer.com goes on to say, similar to Tom's character, Gordon Levitt himself succumbs to the pitfalls of oversimplification when he explains he, Tom, grows by the end. This effectively frames the film in terms of Tom's personal growth, ultimately neglecting Summer's character entirely. As a result, Gordon Levitt's response performs the manic pixie dream girl trope in its explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this film is not about her at any point, mm. though. Um and uh, Scott did say it was pitched to him. Why don't you write a sequel showing the film from Summer's point of view? Good idea. And he says, I couldn't because I've lived this and I actually didn't listen to her at all. I have no idea who so she I've is. So I've no idea who she is. Yeah. And he also <laughs> says, I think in Summer's version, Tom would be in maybe five scenes. So I'm glad he's got, I'm glad he's got that self-awareness. Sure. He does you know, know her because he, she's a bitch. She's, oh, yeah. She's, she's a, a bitch. bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He put uh, it at the start, right up front. <laughs> but they pull the split scheme trick again. Uh, he's job hunting while she's getting married. Um, and then we're into the final straight. It's day 488 and um, Summer's sitting on a bench behind Tom. Um, she was hoping to see him. And they have this, you know, very sad conversation. He, he finds it hard to congratulate her. He says, you should have you should have told me at the wedding. You know, mm-hmm. he does call her out on it. Um he says, I don't think I'll ever understand uh, you not wanting to be someone's girlfriend, but now someone's wife. And she oh, says... Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's obsessed. And also, um, she you say get over it, but she has gone to seek him out uh, to sit yes. behind and wait. She had uh, presumably more than once when he didn't turn up in the hope of seeing him there to have this conversation. So also, just move on, Summer. Move on, leave him alone. He doesn't, I don't think this conversation needs to happen. He would get over you without having to have this conversation. Yeah. So here's a question. Is she really there? Oh, nice. Are any of us really here? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? Is this a figment of his imagination that she she's at his bench sitting, t- giving him the answers that he needs at Is this point? Is he self-realised enough for to to make a projection that tells him the one thing he absolutely has to hear, yeah. but it's the hardest possible thing for yeah. him to hear? And I think, did we not do this on Monday? <laughs> That's why we've paired them. <laughs> right. Sorry, you paired them. That's why you paired uh, them. <laughs> but she says, I just woke up one day and I knew um, what I was never sure of with you and... Uh, yeah, they get that line where, where he says, now I don't believe in destiny and true love, all that stuff. 
and she laughs because now she believes in that stuff. She said it just wasn't me that you were right about. Oof. Um, <laughs> it's brutal. But it's so realistic. Yeah, and she leaves and he says, I really do hope that you're happy and he means it. And also props to her character as envisaged by him for not doing the whole it's not you, it's me thing. Because mm. she's kind of saying that as in... It was, but it's basically, it is also mostly you. <laughs> because when you fall in love and it's just, you know, the, the lightning bolt and all the rest of it, you can't describe it. It's like, it, but that, that's not what we had. Mm. Sorry, I can't think of another way of saying it. Yeah. So people dress it up with, there's something wrong with me. And, you know, I need to work on myself and all the rest of it. Um, but it's good. I just, I don't think he seems grown up enough to be able to say that to himself. So I mm. think she is there. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I'm weird. sure she's there. I'm sure she's there. I don't there. know because it, does she go every day? Like it's she's got stuff to do. Presumably, we've just got married. Where are you going to <laughs> yeah. sit on a bench with my to ex? See my ex. <laughs> no, I don't uh-huh. think you should do that. <laughs> I, I'm going to go on the honeymoon on my own. I've got to go to the bench. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're into day 500. Uh, he's got a, Tom's got a job interview at. A building that we know from another movie, Alex. Do you recognise that building? Uh, yes, it is from God. I mean, it's from a lot of films, but Inception. I'm thinking there's one. Maybe it's it's the Bradbury Building from Blade Runner. Damn it! No, is it? Uh, so he meets the competition while he's waiting uh, to be interviewed, and she's fit. <laughs> She's fit. She doesn't say too much. He has <laughs> She's perfect. Upgrader. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you think so? He, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd be happy with either. Horses for courses. (laughs) But he asks her out and Scott says, this is the point of the film. He said, it's not much of an arc for our protagonist, but there is an arc. And the arc is, it's a guy who can't ask a girl out becoming a guy who can ask a girl out. That's what he (laughs) believes he wrote. That's not what the arc is. That's what he reckons it is. The arc is that just like in um, Eternal Sunshine, which is why we paired them, Eternal Sunshine, he's about to do the whole fucking thing again. It's to look at the camera at the end. It's like, here we go again, (laughs) again. (laughs) And and they sort of nail it by calling her Autumn as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, are we saying that... <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. so that? But that would suggest he hasn't changed no, but it's the, it's, His thing is the job. It's very reductive and plays into tradition, which I hate, which is Summer's arc is, I won't get married. I got married! <laughs> and then <laughs> I can't get a job. I got a great job! Because why can't she have a great job? But I think the way that, she, um, that she's played... You think Summer probably does have a great job somewhere in the background because she seems quite head screwed on and all the rest of it. So she gets the thing she needed, which she couldn't do, which was true love. Mm. And he gets the thing he needed, which he couldn't do, which was knuckle down and understand that his future was as an architect or whatever. Mm. So they both help each other in the right way. So Mm. that's fine. That's good. So he's grown. So maybe he isn't going to do the same thing again because he's in a better place. I think a man that trains as an architect and then is like, actually, I'm fine kicking it, doing greetings cards for five years. There's something gone wrong there. Like that's such Mm. a waste and, you know, with all rom-coms, you're just meant to have this like irrefutable spark of talent, blah, blah, blah. So it's, yeah, he's grown enough to face rejection and failure. And this, he might not get this job interview because Autumn's fit, so she might get it. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't know. Works. That's how it works. It, it worked for you, so, yeah. 2009, <laughs> man. So we're saying it's a happy ending and it isn't just going to be Amanda Fuller and Summer all over again. I think. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was. Yeah, and, and this honestly, is what I, I like about both these films. It's that they've both got this ambiguous ending where you, 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 it could go either way. Here we go again, again. <laughs> and then it, 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 the clock goes back to day one. While she's got you high by Mumra plays. Good tune. Really um, yeah. Mumra. 
Mm, wow, they came and went in yeah. a fun hot minute. <laughs> Bloody hell, I'd forgotten about them. They were quite a late addition to the indie scene. Like, very late. Like, late noughties? Yep. Wow, are you listening to Mumra? I think this... Well, not listening to Mumra, listening to this song, but I think this is the song that this film introduced me to, rather than me okay. being into them. Where did Mumra come from? The name? Thundercats. Thundercats. Yeah. Mumra, the ever-living. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, back to... <laughs> <laughs> You're a details guy, you really are. <laughs> Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. Oh <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so back to every episode, though, I'm pretty sure nine, at least nine episodes of Thundercats involved Wily Kit and Wily Cat getting stuck in a hole <laughs> and like they had to find them. It just happened too many times. <laughs> that is true. And do you remember the very first episode of Thundercats where before they got their costumes and became the Thundercats, they were naked? <laughs> like, but they had no genitalia, like the toys they were based on. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. So, do you want to know what happened with Jenny Beckman? Yeah, um, did so... she sue the fucking arse <laughs> off it? No, she read the script and said it was fine. Mm. Um, but he said she probably did that not thinking it would actually get made. Yeah, but then enough. it got greenlit, and then it got cast with movie stars, and then it got made, and then it came out, and he said. Uh, the day it was released, uh, she deleted him from Facebook. Good for her. <laughs> really? And I think he might be in touch with her again now, but he won't talk about it anymore. Well, because he needs a sequel, <laughs> didn't he? So. Um, well, of course she deleted him. He caught, like, I can't believe she approved Bitch at the start. That she must have no way of known. No, there's no way. I, I can't believe he did that. I, I they, assume. They had to run it by her legally. So, But it, you, you can put a title card on the first page of a script, but it's also a little bit of a gauche thing to do, so you might not. Because it's not, it's a nice to have, but it's not integral. Well, so, but, but we don't. Did they know. show her the film before they released it. No. no, okay, so it wouldn't we, have been in the script. We so, don't know, Alex. It might have been in the it script. It won't have been in the. Okay, fine. We don't know. I honestly, I, when I first watched it, until like I did a little bit of research, not a lot, not as much as you, a little bit. I thought it was a made-up name. Yes, I, so thought it, I thought it yes. was to make it seem like that. a real yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I even today, I didn't know she... I knew that it was based on a real person, mm. but I didn't know it. her name was actually Jenny Neither Beckman. Did I. Can, yeah, and I can. still hated it because it, it undercuts everything you're about to see because it's like you haven't learned a thing. Yeah. This woman was telling you the truth. She's not a bitch. She was telling you she's being honest. And she made some mistakes like we all do. Yeah. Don't call her a bitch. But yeah. I think he means it as a joke. Yeah, I think it's, it's a like, joke, oh, isn't it? It is a joke. you bitch. He's not saying she's actually a bitch. It's not funny, though. It's unnecessarily cruel. It's the word itself. It's like, you know, uh, but just write, I hate you. Like, that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't have the same impact, but the word, it's the B word. B word. Uh, so as you said, Joseph Gordon-Levin seems to get a bit frustrated with Tom being seen as the hero of this story. He keeps, I, I, I just every few years, he seems to have to go do an interview where he says, actually, no, you're reading that's it wrong. That's just the trouble when man writers write their angst. as Like you say, casting a puppy, it's actually quite a cute, like weird thing that they've got like... I like it because I love examining it, but mm. it's tortured man. Who you in, Zach Braff in Garden State is a brilliant example. Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. You wouldn't want to be anywhere near these people, but we put these artistic things that are like, oh, but if you can just get past that, it's actually brilliant. Mm. And so there's something in Tom that makes you want, like, makes people like him and stand up for him and defend him. He's a whining child. Mm. I, I like it, and I like the fact that I felt like I'd been tricked a little bit yeah. that first watch. But Zoe, I don't know if Zoe got it. Um, she thinks maybe they get back together <laughs> in the future. Okay. 
I saw an interview the other day saying yeah, that, so yeah. I was I was a bit disappointed. Did she seem distracted and busy? I'm filming New Girl. What is it? Yeah. Yes, yes, they get back maybe together. She, maybe she's not actually seen the film. Maybe she's not actually seen the film. Yeah, because there's no. That's the point of it. There is no spark. <laughs> no, like no. with Clem and Joel, you're like I, I kind of get this is opposites attract both yeah. films where it actually doesn't work. And with Tom and Summer, there's just nothing there. This is a video uh, she recorded 10 years on going around the locations of the film to promote the Blu-ray or something. And yeah, she says that at the end. No, Zoe. <laughs> right, should we do the bits and pieces? Yes. Uh, Vicky, um, favourite scene? I really like the um, Hall and Oates post-shag musical number. Yes. I just found it uplifting. It's terrific, yep. But I think it's expectations versus reality. Because I don't think it's too... It's not like... It, it's, it's, it would be tempting to do quite a Michelle Gondry thing actually with it and have either one go crazy mm. and mad things start happening and blah, 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 whatever. But the, his expectations are really kind of modest mm. given what's happened at the wedding and all the rest of it. And the reality is quite crushing, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, And it just feels... It, I don't know. And it just, I daydream, you know, a lot of people, you know, you just daydream about, oh, I'm going to do this and then this and then this. And it never lives up to it. So to see that in film done well, it was very satisfying. Um, I agree with you totally. I love that musical number, but expectation versus reality split screen I, it's really cleverly put together because you're thinking you're looking at two things at the same time but you aren't because that's not how these things work so they've really got to manage which side you're looking at at yeah. any point and so I think it's really cleverly put together and it's absolutely gut-wrenching yeah uh Alex uh I, the whole notch dance sequence I love it because it's a cartoon bird <laughs> mm. simple things and it does capture that moment when you're skipping up the street it's great and I find like it's I find this film quite maudlin. I find it a little bit like low energy. Like, uh, I know it's meant to be, but like, you know, coming off the back of watching Eternal it, Sunshine, it's like, it's such a kinetic movie. And this, I know it's intentionally so beige so that Summer pops because she's in blue, but it's so beige. Like everyone's in beige. The furniture's in beige. <laughs> like how many beige suits did they have to buy for this movie? And so I just... Um, yeah, the Hall and Oates dance sequence is just such a, a literal ray of sunshine mm. in the middle of it. Pops. Uh, great. Uh, Alex, who's your most valuable whatever? Hall and Oates for providing you make my dreams for the dance <laughs> sequence. Oh, I nearly, I nearly picked that, but I thought that was a terrible thing to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is my favourite moment in the film and it is that song. So congratulations, Hall and Oates. I'm sorry you weren't in it. Cruel. <laughs> um, their own fault. One of them pulled out. One of them said he didn't want to do it. Uh, Vicky. Uh, Zoe Deschanel because this is because I've gone on a huge journey when I first watched it I was like oh god fuck that girl I can't be bothered with all of this hate Manic Pixie Dream Girls she clearly is one and then I watched it again and she isn't and because she does have as an actor a very well established line in Girls Like That you go into it now later after New Girl thinking that everything Tom does and projects onto her makes sense because of who she is as an actor and people have got like you say she's this totemic Manic Pixie Dream Girl and so for me to go in with all of those bias and assumptions having seen it once and thought that's what I'd seen and knowing her as that as an actor and she completely won me over like she she does make some mistakes and she doesn't treat him brilliantly in the middle section mm. but actually it's like his blind date says she was really clear with you she hasn't you know she hasn't really done anything wrong and I think it's in the performance because she you know when she's singing Sugartown oh my god I hate that I hate you I hate you so much but then she just pulls it back she's just reasonable when she doesn't like the punch in the bar perfect all of that mm. so yeah her she won me over and she's not a bitch. She's not a bitch. No. Um, but Jenny Beckman, though. Jenny Beckman's awful. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not going to pick the third cousin of the hairdresser of the assistant stunt coordinator. Mm. This time. This time. But I am going to pick the creative team. Uh, 
Production designer, Laura Fox. Art direction, Charles Varga. Set decoration, Jennifer Lucar. And costume designer, Hope Hannafin. Because I do like the colour scheme. <laughs> I like the monochromatic palette so that summer's blue really pops and it gives it a timelessness, I think those fashions do. And he, uh, Mark Webb said he wanted the film to look like a slightly dogged romantic novel that you find on a shelf. And I think they have sort of captured that quality. I think it looks amazing. And I, I think, it, yeah, the film won't date because of that. So I do like the way this film looks, Alex. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's fine. I get what he was trying to do. He says it's a, the movie version of a pop song, which is why they put the 500 in parentheses at the start. To make it seem like a pop song oh, yeah, title. That, that is annoying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you change anything, Alex? If so, what? Apart from removing the word bitch. <sighs> Are we not allowed that? That's, that is my change. Yeah. I just don't think you can start the film no, like that. I, just, I, think, I think fundamentally it puts a bad taste in your mouth that unfortunately, like watching it for the first time in 2022, like I think if I'd seen it in 2009 and that had been the start, I might mm. have gone, oh, all right. Yeah. But then that combined with like uh, uh, questions that I have about sort of like, I don't know. I just, I don't think I've quite made my peace with really understanding the idea of whether uh, Zoe Deschanel's character, uh, Summer is in fact an interesting expression of the manic trip pixie dream girl trope, uh, because that is like, we're sort of, we're, we're analyzing that. We're showing that through Tom's gaze. So she is, whether she just actually is, and I don't know which it is. And so I find that confusing. Sure. Vicky? I think there's too much music. Mm. Um, and I don't pick on the music very often, no. but it is like being smothered, smothered I, by a mixtape. And I like all the music in Me it. Too. So it's weirdly, it's my music taste. And yet I find it very annoying. I like the music. And I do like some Smith songs even. It's too but much. It's, it's just too much. It's so ding, it's that. Ding, 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 too, it's too on the nose. Yeah. And it's just like every moment. Like, do you know what it put me in mind of? Which is not the same thing, but... When we did Wolf of Wall Street and we were talking about that moment where uh, Jordan Belfort, the the plane gets, the helicopter gets shot out of the sky when when the ship has crashed. Yeah, oh, the plane, yeah. So he's sitting there and everything's gone to shit and his wife and his wife's friend are mm. dancing around and you he's having a bit of a moment and we don't get to sit with those feelings because he's like, oh, look, something just exploded. Mm. And so these characters don't ever get time to just sit and go, all right, that's just happened because then it's like, bum, 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 like just play mm. the temper trap 15 mm. fucking times. Mm. So you don't ever get a minute to go, oh, okay, you know, I feel this with you. There's just too much. And it's either that or I, this sassy sister thing is jarring as. So that's got a goal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've got an issue, not with that specifically, but I, I say this film tricks me, but I think it sort of does a false thing with the trickery because the film is him telling, I think the idea is he's telling the story of these days when that night he's smashing the plates and his sister comes round and his friends are there. Right. And we're going back through these days that night. But the point is that's his sister and his best friend. So they know all of this. Yeah. So that's why when the first time I watched it, I wasn't buying that we were seeing his memories of Summer. I thought we were seeing Summer for some of these scenes. And so I think he needs to be telling a stranger his story. And then I'm fully buying into it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is all in his head. But when it's Wait, him... though, because that would mean that what happened in Forrest Gump might all have been in his head because he's telling a stranger his story. Mm. Mm. But that definitely happened. I don't think it did. Hot take Wow. <laughs> Holy shit, we need to do Forrest Gump again. Again. Yeah. again. All right, but not Big Fish this time. We'll do Benjamin Button. Yeah, that, was, that would be a great pairing. <laughs> that wasn't my idea. <laughs> it wasn't my idea either. <laughs> and I ran it by you both. I was like, Benjamin Button or Big Fish? Anyway, uh, that's my change. Uh, so that's it. 
We're done. Great. Mm. You ready for the verdict? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> These are my choices. Don't go after it. Fine, stop staring. You make it really hard. These are my choices. And so what a week. <laughs> I'm just embellishing. Uh, so uh, let's see. I think that Alex should go first. Oh, I'll keep it very brief. Uh, I missed the boat on 500 Days of Summer. And I think that robs it of the thing that would really give it a fighting chance for me this week, which is the nostalgia factor. I think if I'd seen it in 2009, I'd be bringing something else to the conversation mm. today. Watching it for the first time this week, uh, it doesn't stand a chance. For me, it's eternal sunshine in the spotless mind through and through. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think um, I'm going to go next then, <laughs> if that's all right. Yeah. Because I was really surprised at myself. I fully expected me to go for eternal sunshine because of the hook underneath it. All that original idea is very, very compelling. And 500 Days of Summer, all it's got is boy and girl see things differently. But despite my initial misgivings, I think their relationship is more relatable in the things they say and do, to be quite basic about it. And the stylized stuff, I mean, you know, Michelle Gondry is obviously fairly peerless, but I think 500 Days of Summer is a really good go and it's just so enjoyable with the musical number. Even that French expressionism film section bit I thought was loads of fun. And I was slightly disappointed with my second viewing of Eternal Sunshine, apart from my redemption of Clementine as a person. I found Joel unknowable. And I think... My expectations are super high because with a team that talented and experienced and well-known to not give me a bit of Joel's life, to give me those two memories of shame and humiliation that are really basic, even if it's intentional, just felt like a letdown. So I'm going to vote for 500 Days of Summer. Interesting. Ooh, so good, good that I'm back, right? Now yeah. actually it makes this bit on. a lot easier. Yeah. Slamming it back to me. Right, so um, I think 500 Days of Summer is much smarter, much better film than it's given credit for. Um, but I think Eternal Sunshine is is genuinely profound. I think it's got depth that just isn't there in 500 Days of Summer. And I, I think it's genuinely disturbing. I think it's incredibly moving. And I feel like Eternal Sunshine imprinted on me in a way that few other films have. I think it's a really incredible achievement. So it's 100% winner for me this week. Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. Woo! Love it. Okay. Oh, no. no, 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 it's fine. No, it's the right Why decision. Why do you say okay like no, that? No, no, I just, it's the right you know, decision. You know when you say okay and you sort of breathe in at the same time? Okay. It's, it, it, <laughs> it sounds painful. It means you're not happy. No, I'm fine. It's I think it's the right thing. I just wanted, I wanted it to get a vote because I was really surprised yeah. at how different I felt. But, but the winner is Eternal Sunshine. Sure. Spot, that's mine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so congratulations to everyone involved in that. I know they listen. Um, <laughs> uh, with that decided, let's turn our attention to next week. Alex, what you got for us? Oh, man, what was my clue? My clue was the boy who lived versus the man who ran. So the films we're doing on next week's show are... The man who ran is obviously the running man versus the boy who lived, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, Guns Akimbo. Yeah, that's right, boy. <laughs> Guns Akimbo versus the running man are my picks for next week. Excellent. Good job. Uh, looking forward They're to available that. all over the place. They're all over the place. Yep. Uh, we did check. Uh, and that really is your lot. Uh, do follow us at Clash Pod on the socials if you can. And if not, make sure you've done a subscribe or a review as they make Vicky happy. And who doesn't want to make Vicky happy? Okay. <laughs> uh, as ever, thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Monday with The Running Man. I didn't even know I did that. <laughs> this was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.